I love that. Whoa, I love that at the end. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to show commercials in church, but I guess we just did. Because I love this one, and it actually gets, it gets right to the point uh, of our text today. And, right, we can all, uh, we can all resonate with this, right? We, whether you just had a salad for lunch, and you get to the end of the day, and it's like, man, I really needed more than that. Or, you know, a coworker comes, and they skipped breakfast, and you're paying the price for that, right? We all know uh, the drill. Maybe you're hangry right now. You didn't grab um, a donut. But uh, anyway, we all know the, the deal, right? Our, our hunger can slowly but surely turn into something much worse, which has, which has t- the new term for it is hanger, or you, we can get hangry, right? It's, it's the intersection of being hungry and being angry, hangry. And I, we, have, yeah, we have this. Uh, we also have a better illustration. And as a new dad, I will never I will never tire of showing pictures of my new baby. There's Evie. Um, this is happy baby Evie. Um, we, we also have hungry baby Evie. There she is. Um, and then we have hangry baby Evie, which is great. Um, this is what we all feel like inside, right, at the, like 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, an 11-week-old can get away with it. We really can't. Um, but right, some of you are hangry even now, uh, and it's terrible. It feels like um, a matter of life and death when you reach this point. Um, and we go into survival mode, even with our best friends, right? You're not you're, you're not you when you're hungry. That's the, the tagline. But I think we'll find in our text this morning, actually the opposite of that is true. Um, you is precisely who everyone gets when you get hungry to the point of hanger. Um, you are you when you're hungry in ways we don't want to admit. Uh, the condition of our stomachs, and what our stomach and gut is telling us uh, sometimes can reveal the condition of our hearts. Um, and we'll see this through the grumbling uh, in our story. And we need a lot more than just a Snickers bar uh, to satisfy us, right? This hunger in our lives is going to take more uh, than, than food. And I, my go-to is bread. That's what I reach for um, conveniently. That's what we're talking about today. But uh, I, bagels, um, dinner rolls... Uh, donuts, right? That's just fried bread. Um, that's, that's what I reach for to satisfy that hunger. And we'll see that Israel really epitomizes what it means to be hangry for bread. But they don't need more bread and neither do we, right? Or whatever it is that you and I reach for to meet our needs. Bread won't deal with the heart conditions uh, inside of us. Bread actually causes heart conditions, I guess. Um, our stomachs grumble, but so, are, so do our hearts. And that's what we're going to see this morning. We'll walk through this chapter, and I think we'll, we'll answer two questions. One, what do we want more than anything else? What do we want more than anything else? And two, is that what God is going to give us? Is that what he's going to give us? You know, what, do we, what do we ultimately really need? And, and Israel is going to be our case study here this morning, but I think we'll find that this text reads us like a book. Um, in fact, it's, re- it's read me like a book this, this week. Um, so let's jump right in. Uh, if you've been following along, if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, you know that Israel uh, for centuries has been uh, under the brutality of Egypt in slavery. They've known the sting of the whip, the murder of children. And their cries for deliverance were to a God that seemed uh, uncaring and distant, like he wasn't there. But then something happened, right? God showed up in a really big way. God showed up and he did things that no one thought possible, right? There were gnats, there were, uh, there were frogs, there were boils, there was 
uh, blood, which is gross. Uh, there was judgment and mercy in the Passover on the same night. Judgment and mercy coming together. And last week we saw that God delivered his people through water, right? Parted right down the middle and asked his people to trust him to deliver them through a dead end. And now Israel is on her way to the promised land. And imagine that, right? You're, if you're an Israelite, you're thinking, yes, this is it, right? Finally, finally, we are going home. This is what our grandparents prayed for. This is what we hoped for. This is what we've dreamed about. We're on our way to Canaan, finally on the move. And here's a map of our trip. I love Bible maps. That's kind of weird, I know, but they help, they help me place myself in the text. They help me picture what's going on. So Moses and company, they set out from Egypt. You can see that on the right. And they, they crossed the Red Sea, on the left, sorry. They crossed the Red Sea. And uh, there's Canaan. There's the promised land. And this is where they're going. Uh, now, here's the thing. I am terrible with directions. You can ask Beth. It is bad. It's really bad. I have no idea. Actually, people in the first service, I guessed right. This is west, right? This way? Yeah, it's great. See, some of you nod like, yeah, you know that's west. I have no idea. I was a full guess. I'm terrible at directions. But uh, as I'm looking at this map, I have a few questions for Moses right off the bat. And my hunch is there were Israelites who had some questions too, right? They're looking down and they're thinking, uh, Moses... My Google Maps is um, rerouting me. Uh, I, I'm not sure what's going on, but Canaan is not this direction, right? I mean, you know, there's a better route that's going to shave like 40 years off of this trip. Like, what is the deal? Why are, we, why are we going this way? And here's the thing. Israel is free, right? God has delivered them. He's brought them out of slavery. They are free, but they aren't headed home yet. Not yet. Um, this nation is headed for the wilderness. And if we're looking for the answer to our first question, right, what, what does Israel, what do we want, what does Israel want more than anything else, I can tell you we should move on and keep looking because this is not it. They wanted freedom and God got them that. God got them freedom. He delivered them out of slavery. But getting the slavery out of them is going to take a lot more. You don't just shake 400 years of enslavement overnight. And that's what the desert is for. So three days in, they're, they're walking in this sun-scorched land in the wilderness. And as you can imagine, they start to get a little thirsty. And that makes sense. Uh, they, they could go just a tiny drop of water. They'd probably even take some of that nasty Nile bloody water, right? Just anything. They're getting thirsty. They need water. And like a cruel mirage, they come to this place called Merah. Um, with a question mark there, which means bitter, bitterness uh, in Hebrew. And they come to this place, and there's water, but as the name suggests, it's bitter. It's undrinkable. Uh, so they, they grumble. They complain. We need, we need water. And God actually, he hears their grumbling uh, through Moses. He hears them, and he provides. Uh, in a, in a, another miraculous uh, provision, they take a log, they toss it in the water, and it becomes sweet, which is weird, but it's really cool. Uh, and, and so they go on from here, they go on from Merah to Elam, which is a much better place. There are palm trees, there's water everywhere. Uh, I've kind of envisioned Scottsdale, that's my mind, only probably less golf. But they come to this place, and it's, a, it's an oasis in the desert. But it's not the promised land. It's not Canaan. So they move, they keep going, and they walk, and they walk, and they walk. And day after day, they get further and further and further into the desert wilderness, and they reach this place called the Wilderness of Sin. 
Uh, this is one of those places you pray uh, you don't get a, la- a flat tire. And this is, this is where you, there's nothing, nothing lives here. I've, as I've pictured it again, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing the United States map because that's terrible. Uh, but as I've pictured it, it's, uh, it's Scotts, they've gone from Scottsdale to West Texas. That's kind of my, uh, which, is, which is awesome, right? You do not want to, that's a terrible trade. Uh, but they've come to a place uh, where there's nothing. And they would, they would love to see a gnat, right? Or a frog or just anything that indicates there's life in this place. And the sun, it's, it's just as hot as it was yesterday. <laughs> you keep walking, and the, and the air gets more and more stale as you breathe it in. I mean, this is, this is the desert. And after 45 days, the text says uh, the 15th day of the second month, uh, they start to run out of food. They had food, uh, I suppose, when they left Egypt, and they're starting, they're starting to run out. And men and women, children, livestock, all of them getting uh, nice and hangry together, right? Some of you ate two hours ago, and you're like, man, when th- wrap it up, buddy. I got some barbecue, right? I mean, the, you know, we get hungry. And this is 45 days in. They're in the wilderness, and their food reserves dissip- dissipate, and their excitement breaks, right? You can, you can hear it in the text, right? They, they're, this is it, right? We're, we're going. We're going to the promised land. Turns to, this is it, <laughs> We're all going to die. We're going to die out here in the wilderness. I would, have died, I would have rather died back there in Egypt than out here, dying of starvation. And we've been there, right? Maybe not, maybe not on a 45-day road trip in the desert without food, but we've been there where we've been really excited about, man, what, God has done this great thing in my life. We're really excited. There's joy. We can taste the deliverance of what God's done in our life. And then the next thing you know, you're starving in the wilderness. This is it. I'm going to die out here, right? There's no food. And maybe worse than anything else in those moments is this, this feeling, this knowledge that God brought you there. God took you there. God took you to the wilderness. I mean, he brings us to dead ends. We saw that last week. He also brings us out into the desert. Where, there's, where food and water are scarce. And we grumble. Israel grumbles. Uh, the grumbling uh, continues. Look at verse 3. It said, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord, which is the, which is the language, the hand of the Lord. That's the language that's used for deliverance. And they say here, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hungry, hunger. Imagine you're, you're hot and smelly. Your kids haven't eaten in days. And you're headed in the exact opposite direction of Canaan. This, feel, this feels terrible. This is a dire situation. Who wouldn't complain? Who would not grumble in this scenario, right? Whose hanger wouldn't get the best of them in this situation. I mean, this feels worse than a dead end in some ways. This is a, it's a, it's a road to nowhere with no food. And their extreme hunger, it makes them crave for the good old days, right? The days back in Egypt, those good old days. They convince themselves that Egypt was always the better option in the first place, right? We would have rather died there by the meat pots than be out here. 
Sure, it was rough, but at least there were three square meals a day, right? I mean, what, what more could you want? What more could we want? This is what Israel wants. Now, let's be honest. This is absurd, right? It's ridiculous to reminisce about being enslaved, being an enslaved nation. But in their extreme hunger, their memories of slavery are selective and optimistic, right? It's remember, man, this was so great. There was so much food. This was a life in Egypt. It's where we want to be. And despite everything God has done for this nation, they doubt, they doubt him. They doubt their deliverer. They doubt his leader, Moses. In the midst of crisis, they, they don't know who they can trust. And so they trust their guts. I mean, quite literally, they trust their guts. And they prove that deep down, Egypt still has a, a grip on them. As oppressive as the Egyptians were, which was bad, Israel's real problem, as we'll find in this text, is an internal one. It's inside. It's the first story uh, of many where their, their, their enemies are not external. They're in here. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds really familiar to me. Um, I feel unsatisfied. I feel hungry for more. Angry at uncomfortable situations that God puts me in in life. Uh, and, and sometimes... Um, unsure that God is even there, that he's present, that he cares, that he's listening, he hears. And our hearts, they grumble. We look back at times and places and people and we think, man, that was so much better. Remember, remember those good old days? It was a lot better than trying to be obedient, following God. That's where all my desires were met, right? Back in Egypt. This, this is hard. This is wilderness. It's wandering. There's a song by Sarah Groves uh, called Painting Pictures of Egypt, which I'm sure, as you can imagine, captures this really well. She says, I've been painting pictures of Egypt, leaving out what it lacks. The future feels so hard. And I just want to go back. And a question that hit me uh, this week, and I hope is hitting you this morning, is that, are you feeling this? Does your heart grumble? In this way, like this, does your heart long for days past in the middle of the wilderness? And Because I, I know these struggles in my life. I know exactly in my life where I want to turn around and go back to Egypt. Um, where I think, man, that was so much better than what God's called me to here in the desert. But God reminds me that while there's bread there, and it's even appealing, right? The meat pots and the bread to the full, I mean, that's, that's good. But it comes at a high cost. It comes at a high cost. What is it that we really want? And what is it that God is prepared to give us? You, me, Israel, we, we want bread. Maybe not real bread. Um, some of you are really upset that I'm talking about bread because it's like 1124 and you want to eat bread. But not just bread. We're t- I'm talking about anything that we reach for to satisfy us, to fill those deep, deep, deep longings in our heart to satisfy our hungers, be security, safety, comfort, bigger house, faster car, better job, accolades at work, our kids to be successful and whatever they're doing. I mean, there are all these things that we think we really need to be satisfied. 
And we can desire them more than anything else. And our hearts can grumble at this point. But, but bread, you know, bread in this sense can't free you, right? We don't need more bread, not first, not ultimately. And God will make that really clear to Israel through a test. Some of you, especially teachers and students, get nervous when we talk about tests, especially in the summer. It's a terrible uh, trick to do on you. But um, this isn't a pass-fail test. It's not a test to see who's, uh, if Israel is smart enough or good enough or strong enough. It's a test that's going to uncover their hearts. It's going to reveal what's going on under the waterline. So God tells Moses about the test. Look at verse 4. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So God's going to provide food. He's going to provide bread for this nation to, to satisfy their physical hunger. But, but not as we've come to expect in some ways, he's going to do it in an unexpected way. So first, God provides quail. I mean, quail all over the, it says, the text says it covered the camp, hundreds and thousands of quail. And I can just imagine, right, the Israelites, I mean, this is amazing. This is provision from God. And they fire up the grills and, you know, it's, it's like the, a huge party. And, and you can just imagine, your kids are your kids finally eaten and they're off your back. Parents are relieved and your stomach is finally full. And you just, you heard something about bread coming. And you just can't wait to see what God is going to do next. Finally, God is going to give us what we really need. Some bread from heaven. As the sun rises, eager to find that bread... Uh, you step out of your tent, the dew is gone, um, and, you, and you see something strange all over the ground. It's this fine, uh, flake-like thing, uh, and your first thought is, what is this? Um, this is weird. Uh, oh, well, I'm going to go find that bread, right? I'm, I'm out of here. You and a few others are talking, and someone, someone actually says, no, this is the bread. This is it. Like, all this stuff on the ground is the bread. So you're a little skeptical, but you reach down, you take some of it, and Turns out it's not bad. It's kind of sweet. It kind of tastes like uh, wafers with honey, the text says. Uh, and they call, it, they call it manna, which means, uh, what is it? I mean, that's, that's what they call it. Um, and I, actually, as I've thought more about it, I think I would have called it frosted flakes because I think that would have made really good sense. But uh, that's not important. Um, so they remember, and you, you remember, if you're in the story, you remember that, that Moses said, look, you're just supposed to gather enough for the day. So you go out, you grab enough for your family, your teenagers, your kids. Uh, some families are big, some are small, but, but everybody goes and gets what they need and nobody has any lack. There's enough food for everybody. Big families, small families, everyone gets what they need. And God said he would do this every day. He would provide fresh manna every day. And all you needed to do was gather enough for the day, nothing more, which was tough. This is tough uh, because you've just gone weeks, days and weeks uh, through scarcity. And I don't know about you, but as I'm thinking about what I would be tempted to do, I'd be tempted to take, you know, a jar and a little extra manna and set it aside for the next day. Because I've just gone days in scarcity without food. And some did just that. And they didn't wake up to manna in a jar. They woke up to nasty, smelly maggots in a jar. 
which is going to teach you a lesson really fast, right? That's disgusting. And they, they learned the lesson quickly. Look, God said he would provide every day. Let's let him provide every day. So you go out and you gather manna the next day and the next day and the next day and you discard the extra. But on the sixth day, you're told, go and gather twice as much. So just, so you, just to remind you that this is not some natural phenomenon that happens in the wilderness of sin, God says, go out on the sixth day and grab enough manna for two days. And you're a little skeptical, right? You remember this smelly, uh, this smelly maggot jar from a couple days ago, and you do not want that to happen again. But look, God said so, and you're starting to trust Moses and this God. So you do that, and Saturday morning comes, and your tent smells fine. And there's no manna on the ground, and you think, wow, I get a day off. I get to eat the manna, and I get a rest from my work. But you see some standing, or some even scurrying around, they've gone out to gather. I don't know, maybe they didn't, maybe they ate all the manna they had the day before, and were counting on manna on Saturday, or maybe they just wanted more. And they went out to gather and find it. But either way, this test, right? This is, remember, this is a test to reveal what's going on in the heart. It revealed something in that moment. Right? Either you believed that God would provide like he said he would, or you didn't. And you ate it all up or you went out for more. Either way, this test revealed that these people didn't trust God, that God would give what we need. And isn't that some of us here this morning? I mean, that's, uh, that's definitely me. I know I've seen myself outside the tent, ready to go gather, to go provide for myself, failing to believe that God will do so. That he'll do what he said he's, he's going to do. Are you trusting that God will provide for you this morning? I know that's a, that is a, a simple question. It's been a simple question for me to ponder this week, but man, it's not, it's not an easy question to think about. Am I trusting that God will provide, will meet my deepest, deepest needs? Not necessarily what you want, not your wants. Sometimes we don't even know what we need. And that's the point of the test, right? The hunger, hunger reveals the true condition of our hearts. And like Like us, Israel needed to learn that they don't need more bread. They need more of God. They don't need more bread. They need more of the one who gives. It's bread in this story, right? But it really, I mean, like like we said earlier, it's anything that you reach for to provide. It's all sorts of people and places and things. But what God provides isn't ultimately to feed our hunger Uh, It's more to form our hearts. So when God provides for us, it's not as much to feed our hunger as it is to to form our hearts. And God gives them bread, yes, but he also gives them a rhythm. I don't want to miss this in the text. He gives them a rhythm for life that's going to teach them to trust him. It's a work-rest rhythm. And sometimes we talk about spiritual disciplines in the church, right, as things that will form our hearts uh, that will train us to be obedient to God. And, and fasting is one of those disciplines that, f- that harnesses a physical hunger and teaches us to trust God. When we abstain from food, we learn that he is our portion, ultimately. He is the one that can satisfy 
our needs. But we're also given Sabbath, which is a gift of rest from work. Uh, and, and, and Sabbath is meant for our renewal and to teach us that God will provide even as we rest from our work. But that can be a hard practice, right? Because we have to trust that he's going to provide. To trust that we don't have to go out to gather and there's going to be manna to eat. It's going to be something to sustain us. We have to trust that God will provide while we rest. Both of these are rhythms uh, that God uses to form us. If we look later in the book uh, in Deuteronomy, Moses reflects on God's activity here. I think he says it says it really well in Deuteronomy 8, verses 2 and 3. So look at the screen. It says, And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and, he, and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know. What is this? Nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Before they, they get to the promised land, Israel needs to know that their salvation is not bread, it's not the land, it's their God. It's not comfort, it's not security, it's not a bigger house. Our source of life, their source of life is God himself. Many things have changed throughout redemptive history, but this is, not, this is not one of those things. We tend to, I mean, I've seen myself in this text this week wanting provision instead of the provider or gifts instead of the giver. But we don't need more bread. We need more of God. And that's the big idea of this text this morning. And I'm uh, I'm going to do something that's probably not advisable, but I'm going to go off script a little bit because God has, te- God has taught me this lesson in tangible, tangible ways, even in the last 12 hours. I thought there was something that I, that I needed, and I wanted it badly. And God, in grace and mercy, la- laid me bare and cut, cut me open with a a surgical knife, basically, and said, look, here's your heart. You thought you needed this thing, but you don't. What you really need is me. What you really need is me. And I I was putting my hope and trust in this one thing and realized that I had failed to rest. I had failed to trust that God, God is capable to provide what I need. I think I know what I need. I think I know what I want. But God knows what we need. In the middle of the wilderness, uh, in the desert, when food and water is scarce, it's really easy. It's really easy to let our hunger reveal our hearts. And that's, I felt this in tangible ways this week. And there are times when I can come into this pulpit and and fail to hear this word in ways that are transformative, but not today. God was gracious to teach me a lesson, a hard lesson, a lesson I never wanted to learn. Before, from this text, I spent all week in this text getting ready to deliver a sermon. And God said, you haven't learned it yet. There's so much more that you need. Why are you looking for these things to fill your hungers? 
Why are you looking to this thing or that thing or that person or that job or that? I mean, why are you looking here? I'm here. I'm present. I delivered you out of slavery. And I brought you into the wilderness to teach, to teach you to trust me. I know it's best for you. And he wants to provide for us. He wants to be our portion. But sometimes, there are, sometimes we can't learn that lesson until we're in the wilderness, right? We can't learn that lesson until God has brought us to a place where we cannot provide for ourselves. We don't have what it takes. And if you're a Christian here this morning, you know that is right at the heart of the good news that we proclaim. I mean, that is, that is dead center. It's, the, it's step one, is realizing that God has done for us what we could never do for ourselves. While we were still enemies of God, while we, all we wanted was bread, God came as the bread of life to meet our deepest needs, to save us from sin and wrath and judgment and deliver us into a promised land. But sometimes, uh, well, life is wilderness, right? This is, God is teaching us in the middle of the wilderness to trust him. And Jesus, I mean, the first step in his ministry, the spirit takes him out into the wilderness. Jesus spent 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, refused the bread, and learned to listen to his father's voice. And then he went to the deepest, darkest wilderness of all. He went to the cross where, there was, where he hungered and thirsted. And he secured for us a living, a bread that leads to eternal life and water that, the living water. He is the bread of life. I am the bread of life, Jesus said. And it's why we, it's why we have bread up here on our table this morning. It's why we celebrate communion every week is that we are reminded at this point that we, we do not have what we need we do not have what it takes to meet our deepest needs. Only God can do that. And he has done that in his son. He came, the bread of life, so that we could have life, abundant, joy, deliverance. And one day, I mean, we're, we're about to sing about it, there will be a great feast where there, there will be no more tears, no more scarcity. We'll have all that we need. And so in a moment, we're going to come Uh, Stephen's going to come up and lead us in a song. I I encourage you to reflect during that time. And then we're going to come up and we're going to join with Christians across the world and throughout the centuries who have practiced this meal that reminds them, reminds us that God has done for us what we could never do for ourselves and has met our deepest needs in the body broken and the blood shed uh, on the cross of Christ. And so I encourage you to take just a few minutes and reflect as Stephen leads us in this song. You can sing out if you want to, and then I'll come back up and lead us into communion. So let's pray before we do that. God, thank you.